I'm Keith Deason, and this is From the Ground Up, a podcast about how we make what we make, the materials, the tools, and the stories behind the things we build. Somewhere in a drawer in your house or a box in your garage is a small tube of something pretty amazing. You probably bought it just to use once to fix that chip in the vase that your aunt gave you, which doesn't really match your overall decor, but you bring it out for the holidays and set it in a prominent place just to make her happy. Or it was to glue the controller back together after you got knocked from first to last place by a blue shell in Mario Kart. Or maybe it was to stitch the frame of your favorite pair of sunglasses back together after you left them on the seat of your car and sat on them for the 12th time. Whatever it is that you've used it for, superglue, also known as cyanoacrylate or CA glue, is an extremely versatile and immensely powerful adhesive. In 2012, the cast of the popular science show Mythbusters were up to their usual antics. They were charged with testing the many uses of CA glue, and halfway through the episode's first act, had already used only one drop to lift 650 pounds of barbells. Determined, as they always were, to push the material to its limits, they set up another Herculean task for the adhesive. Pulling into frame with what can only be described as a post-Griswaldian station wagon, they outlined the trial that lay ahead. The car, weighing roughly 4,000 pounds, a good portion of which was certainly rust, dead skin cells, and fossilized snack foods, would be set aloft using only seven drops of CA glue. The bond was formed, the chains were wrapped, the crane lurched and coughed itself to life, and as the cable began to whine, the look of joy was evident on the host's faces. The woody wagon, bolstered by shouts of disbelief, slipped the surly bonds of earth by a few meters for a few seconds in time, before crashing back to the pavement in a cloud of hubcap grime, beach sand, and Dorito dust. This wasn't the first or the last time cars and cranes would be used to show off CA Glue's famed strength. Surely it was the most fun to describe in podcast form, but the substance has been used to set world record after world record, decade after decade. What is it that makes the bonds of superglue so secure? Cyanoacrylate is what is referred to as a monomer. It's formed by taking an organic compound, ethyl cyanoacetate, heating it, adding some formaldehyde, and condensing the resulting gases into liquid form. When in the presence of moisture, as found in most objects, CA glue undergoes chain growth polymerization, which is a fancy way of saying that its small, uniform molecules come together to form a very strongly bonded large molecule called a polymer, which is a slightly fancy way of saying it hardens. This is why your bottle of superglue, which by the way is a brand name but has become a common way to refer to the product, turns into a small bottle of hardened plastic before you need to use it a second time, in about 30 days. After it's rendered, further processes are necessary for CA glue to have any commercial value. The liquid monomer is purified, removing any undesirable elements that would shorten its shelf life. Other materials are then added depending on the formulation of the glue. Various recipes are used to produce different effects. 
fumed silica is added to increase the viscosity of the glue, giving it a more gel-like quality and making it easier to handle. Because of the glue's low resistance to shearing, rubber can be added to increase its durability in situations where lateral forces could otherwise break the bond. With so many useful properties, it's weird to think that CA glue was discovered by accident. Twice. Hey all, I'm gonna interrupt your Ed Glucation here for a second to tell you guys a bit about this show, and possibly to apologize for that horrific pun. From the Ground Up is an ongoing experiment. It is now and will always be available free of charge. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash keithdecent by leaving a review on iTunes or just by sharing your favorite episode. All Patreon supporters have access to behind-the-scenes and bonus content, including a series of companion episodes to the show called FTGU2. I'd like to take a moment to thank the patrons who go the extra mile to make this show possible. Matt Cummel, Phil Plant, Lila Naraki, Alex Krause, Josh Price, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, Caleb Harris, Maker Geek, and my pal, Vadim Grinberg. Thank you. Nineteen forty-two, Rochester, New York. In the midst of the Second World War, Dr. Harry Wesley Coover and his team were deep into a project in the laboratories at the Eastman Kodak Company. While many other scientific teams were busy making new weapons or vehicles, Dr. Coover's group had their sights set on sights. More specifically, they were trying to develop clear plastic gun sights to give the Allied soldiers an advantage on the battlefield. While testing the viability of various chemicals, Coover happened upon cyanoacrylate, which proved to be too incredibly sticky and unmanageable to be of any use. The formula was abandoned and the research moved on. In a stroke of serendipity that would make any Hollywood writer groan, nine years later in 1951, the substance was accidentally rediscovered. Coover was supervising a team attempting to develop a heat-resistant polymer to be used in jet canopies. His colleague, the incredibly appropriately named Fred Joyner, spread a thin layer of ethyl cyanoacrylate between two prisms in a refractometer, as one does. As a result, the refractometer no longer refracted, Joyner was left with a super sticky mess, and the prisms were permanently bonded, ruining the device entirely. Coover whose attempts to separate the two prisms were failing utterly, remembered his previous troubles with this particular polymer. This time, instead of dismissing its value, he investigated its adhesive properties, later putting it into production and marketing it as Eastman Number no. 910, and even later as Superglue. Its uses were quickly apparent to both the general public and industrial manufacturers. The product was licensed to Loctite, being branded as the super-catchy Loctite Quickset 404, who then later came up with their own formulation named Durabond. By the 70s, multiple manufacturers sprang up with their own versions of CA glue, but it was Dr. Harry Coover who once again changed the landscape of what was possible with his marvelous sticky discovery. Coover realized a potential new avenue of usefulness for CA glue when his oldest son cut himself making a model airplane. They used some samples of superglue that Harry had brought home from the lab to seal up the wound. It worked incredibly well, 
The bleeding stopped and the wound was closed up tight with a durable and waterproof layer of protection. Dr. Coover used this discovery to patent CA glue as a tissue adhesive. And while his original intent to help soldiers win World War II didn't pan out, this aspect of superglue's usefulness would prove indispensable on another battlefield. The Vietnam War was, by all accounts, horrific. The terrain, the tactics, and the weather all combined to present soldiers with a set of unique and difficult battlefield challenges. As the war progressed, American casualty numbers increased rapidly. When a soldier was wounded, they would often bleed to death from otherwise survivable wounds before they could be transported to a field hospital or surgeon. Medics needed something that could reliably close a wound and stop the bleeding in a harsh, wet, jungle environment. It needed to be flexible enough to not come loose while the patient was being carried across an active battlefield, and it needed to be sterile and safe. If you think the solution was anything other than CA glue, well then, what have you been listening to for the past 8 minutes? Coover had been developing a formulation of medical-grade cyanoacrylate adhesive in collaboration with the Johnson & Johnson Company in the mid-60s. They discovered that the original formulation caused irritation and had poor elastic qualities when applied to human and animal tissue. There were also concerns about the toxicity of the glue when used in large quantities deep inside the body. The researchers developed a new type of cyanoacrylate called N-butyl cyanoacrylate, which served as a near-perfect surgical aid. It formed longer polymer chains that showed greater flexibility and coverage than the original, all while decreasing the toxicity as well as the potential for chemical burns and skin irritation. It was a big win for the project. The United States Army Medical Biomechanical Research Laboratory, a facility so cumbersomely named it could only have ever been a military division, took notice of the advancement and immediately began testing for its own purposes. They involved themselves in early testing and were able to develop a Freon-propelled spray gun applicator for the compound. It proved too large and unwieldy for real-world usage, and the applicator nozzle was prone to clogging, needing meticulous maintenance. None of this would be useful on a battlefield. Eventually, with the discovery of a specialized gasket, combined with a sterilized container and disposable spray nozzle, a portable, battle-ready version was created. Medics began to carry N-butyl cyanoacrylate adhesives in the small spray bottles. The substance was applied to the injury, and before you could sing the first verse of Fortunate Son, the skin was sealed shut and the bleeding had subsided. The product of a failed experiment to improve the aim of World War II soldiers was now being used to save the lives of many young servicemen of a new generation. At the same time CA glue was being used to fix up soldiers in the jungles of Vietnam, it was being tested and used in all manner of surgical applications, gaining worldwide acceptance as a surgical aid, alternative to traditional sutures, and a miracle tool in the field of veterinary medicine. However, despite its myriad successes, the FDA would not approve the glue for use. The administration held concerns over its potential as a cancer-causing agent due to a few tests in which some rats developed tumors after its use. Coover cited the lack of logic in their argument, as the rats had been exposed to levels of CA that were many hundreds of times higher than would ever be used in a human being. 
However, the FDA would not relent and required another incredibly expensive round of testing before consideration for approval. Hoover and his partners decided it was better to drop the project altogether rather than risk the cost of further testing with no guarantee of approval even if they were successful. With Harry himself noting, By 1972, after 12 years of technical success and a record of saving lives, the cyanoacrylate medical adhesive was, for all practical purposes, dead. Hoover and his team did not pursue FDA approval but did, however, provide cyanoacrylates for free to any researcher in the U.S. who submitted a protocol to the FDA for study. It wasn't until the mid-1980s when the TriPoint Medical Corporation of Raleigh, North Carolina developed an octal cyanoacrylate formulation that didn't degrade inside the human body, which could send them on a long path toward FDA approval. After renaming themselves Closure Medical Corporation, they, in August of 1998, received the FDA's go-ahead to use their product, now called Dermabond, for medical procedures. When its quirks and characteristics are fully understood, superglue has a wide array of effective uses. Its low resistance to shearing can be used as an advantage when a temporary bond is needed. Its quick-setting nature can be used in conjunction with longer-setting adhesives to form a more permanent fixture. Aquarium aficionados prize it for its water resistance and quick bonding nature. It's used by woodworkers and woodturners as a fast curing glossy finish. Archers use it to fletch their arrows, and the beauty industry uses it to glue on artificial eyelash or fingernail extensions. It's easily one of the most useful, accidental inventions that almost never existed. Twice. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash keithdecent and you'll get access to FTGQ2, the Patreon-exclusive companion show to this podcast, and other cool stuff. I have goals set to be able to produce more shows per year and to provide merchandise, so if you want more episodes and some cool stuff, then that's the best way to get it done. If you're strapped for cash like many of us are, then please know that sharing the show with others or just leaving a review on iTunes or your chosen podcast aggregator does a lot to help as well. Until next time, this is Keith Deason saying, Later Makers. <laughs>